Good evening, everyone. Um, our first reading tonight uh, starts in Deuteronomy chapter 34, with the first five, and we are reading straight through to Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. And that can be found in our Bibles on page 215 slash 216. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Bespoah, but to this day no one knows where his grave is. Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days, until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Get ready, we're going over. Come on, get your bags, sort yourselves out. We're off, we're off. Come on, we're crossing the Jordan. We're going, we're going. This is it. Oh, you're not my tribe, are you? Oh, sorry about that. Um, let me introduce myself. Um, my name is Soraya. You never heard of, you heard of my dad, Kinez? Hmm. Well, he's, his brothers, Othniel. I bet you do know Caleb, don't you? Uncle Caleb, the oldest man in camp. It's my uncle, he's Caleb. It's a great man. Caleb, of course, great friend of Joshua. And Joshua, well, that's why I'm here. Because Joshua says, we're going across the Jordan. Funny name, Joshua. I can't really get used to it. He didn't used to be called Joshua. He used to be called Hoshia. That's much easier, isn't it? But Moses changed his name. Now, you're foreigners, so you probably don't know all this language stuff. But Hoshia meant saviour. And they changed his name to Jehoshua, which means the sort of man who God saves by which is a bit of a strange name, isn't it? So we just call him Joshua, which is much simpler. We already know you're no good at languages, so you won't know this either. When they invent Greek, the surprising, here's a bit of trivia, Joshua will be the same as that famous footballer's name, Jesus. 
Isn't that amazing? Joshua and Jesus is the same name. Anyway, that's Joshua for you. Now, he didn't used to be our leader. We used to have Moses as our leader. Um, Moses was getting on a bit, uh, but he did some great stuff. You know, it was Moses who set us free. Moses took us out of Egypt and we went through the Red Sea and all the Egyptian army was after us and we never saw them again. I was just a nipper. I was on my, uh, on my dad's shoulders uh, as we went through the Red Sea and Moses set us free. But do you know, Moses never got us here. He never got us, got us to the land where we were supposed to be. He gave us lots of laws and religious stuff. But Moses never gave us the life that we should have. And that's what was waiting for us over the Jordan. And, uh, and it's God's gift to us. God has said that this land over there is, is ours. Although, come to think of it, it's a, it's a funny kind of gift, really, because it's full of giants with armour and, uh, and there's apparently the sea power. There are navies there. Never seen a boat, but there's navies there. Uh, and there are, are, are fortresses there, uh, and there are castles, uh, and there are uh, 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 I don't know, 60 different kings or something, uh, 30 city-states, uh, the seven separate nations we got to conquer. I've listed that we got the Hittites, the Canaanites, uh, the Jebusites, uh, the Girgashites, uh, the Perizzites, the Amorites. Uh, what's the other one? The Hivites. Hivites. That's it. Seven of them. And we've got to conquer that lot. To be honest, we're only going to do it if God helps us. But here's the thing. God has said he is going to help us. Do you know how? Wasps. That's his secret weapon. Moses wrote it down in Deuteronomy. Wasps. God's even going to use the wasps to drive the people out for us. So we will win. And then we've got this wonderful land to look forward to, apart from the wasps. But it's going to be fantastic. It's got everything we need in it. It's got, it's got pools of water. You know, we spent the last 40 years mooching around in the desert. Up and down the Sinai. Have you ever been to Sharm El Sheikh? There is not a drink to be seen anywhere in the desert. But in the new land, there's water, there's pools, there's streams of living water. And there's barley and there's wheat. It's the bread of life. And there's oil. Oil we can cook in, oil for healing, oil for anointing. It will make a very nice change from quails and papadam, which is all we've had for the last 40 years, I can tell you. It's going to be absolutely great. And that is the life God has promised us if we trust in him and we cross the Jordan together. Funny thing is, we've been here before. Well, I've been here before, sort of, only when I was small. But do you know, 40 years ago, I can just remember, we were right on the edge of the promised land. 
And uh, what happened was this. Uh, my uncle Caleb uh, and Joshua, uh, they, they're the only two left, by the way. Everybody else of that generation has passed. My mum and dad are out there in the desert somewhere. But Joshua and Caleb, they went to have a look. They were sent out as spies to check out the promised land. Um, in fact, there were 12 of them. Joshua and Caleb came back and they said, it's fantastic. They said, it's got all this stuff. They said, all the, the bread and the, and the oil and all the water. Oh, and metals, copper and iron. I don't know what we do with iron. We're still in the Bronze Age, but one day we'll know what to do with it. But all this stuff, he said. And they said, yeah, okay, there's a few giants, but never mind those. God will be with us. We'll be all right. But the other ten, well, I think they were accountants. They all came back and they said, we need to do a risk assessment. They said, we need to work this one out. He said, there are the, all these boats there to deal with on the seas. There's the fortresses. There's the castles. There's, the, there's, there's these giants and they've got armor. And just work it out. It takes two years, they said, to besiege one of these cities. So it's two years. And there are 31 of them. So this is where you need an accountant. So that is 62 man years before we'll conquer this country. So he said, it's just not on. Too risky. Can't manage it. And the people all agreed. They said, yeah, it's called risk appetite. They didn't have the risk appetite for it. Too scared. Said, no, not for us. And that was that. And there's a funny thing about God. God gives us what we ask for. You seen that? And the people then, my mum and dad, they all said, oh, we don't want any of that, much too scary, much too risky, much too exciting, to be honest. So we'll head back into the desert, thank you very much. And God said, well, all right then, if that's what you want, head back to the desert. And that's where we've been, 40 years, mooching around the desert. It is very, very, very boring. 40 years. But that's what they chose. They chose the desert and the wilderness instead of that wonderful land that's just ahead of us. So there we go. I know you're not my family, but the question is, what are we going to do? Are we going to cross the Jordan and live in the life that God's given us or go back into the desert? I know what I'm doing. This is my camel product. I don't need it anymore. I'm off. I am going to need a spear because there's going to be a bit of fighting going on. Would you like my sock? <laughs> there's going to be battles ahead. But that's the excitement. We're going to cross the Jordan. Uh, a second reading is now in Ephesians. And as a chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. And this can be found on page 1174. 1174. And I start with I. I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that he is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So, are we ready to cross the Jordan? That's the question, isn't it? Are we excited about living our life out next week, next month? Under God's rule and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what the book of Joshua is about. It's a sort of insight into a completely different lifestyle. It's a sort of a, a Christian equivalent of keeping up with the Kardashians, if you like. It, trying to make sense of a completely foreign lifestyle. But that's what we're being introduced to. And I think that's probably why the New Testament uses the book of Joshua uh, as a sort of way of understanding the Christian life. It's a picture of our life once we are following the Lord Jesus Um, And we saw a little bit how that worked just now, didn't we? Moses, before Joshua, he sets the people free. And there's a parallel, isn't there? Jesus has set us free. By his death on the cross, when I put my trust in the Lord Jesus, I am set free. I'm set free from the fear of death. I'm set free from the consequences of my ignoring God, my rebellion against him. But but Moses only takes us so far. Moses uh, gives us the law... But he doesn't give us the promised land. That is left for Joshua to do. It's Joshua who is the picture of the person who offers us us life and life in in all its fullness. Which is the verse from John we were looking at on Alpha uh, this week. And did you notice that that gift, that life, that life in all its fullness is God's gift. Verse 2, we're only looking at a couple of verses, aren't we? But verse 2, God says, he is giving this land to the people. It's a gift. Even if it does mean fighting for it, it is God's gift. The people will, will go into that land, they'll be relying on God's power, and they will see miraculous things happen, and they will know peace. Um, but they say Ephesians is the sort of spiritual equivalent of Joshua, which is why we just had a little bit read. Um, and Paul, in, in that little section just now, is sort of mirroring that description, isn't he, of how to live in the promised land, how we live in the power of the Spirit, in the love of God, and trusting one who can do immeasurably more than anything that we could ever believe. 
And uh, uh, as a church, uh, we're going to work that through over the next few uh, weeks. As we work through Joshua, we're going to see how that works out in practice. But can you see here how it all starts? Can you see verse 3? It starts with a promise. God says to Joshua, I will give you every place you set your foot. Does that ring a bell? It did for me when I looked at that. For what are Jesus' last words in Matthew's gospel? He says, I am with you always to the very end of the earth, wherever you set your foot. It's almost the same promise, isn't it? So crossing the Jordan, living a Christian life, living a life following the Lord, it's going to be exciting. It may be scary. It may be difficult. But the promise is that God's spirit is with us. And we're going to see that happen as we as we move into Joshua, uh, as they take God at his word, as they believe him. They're going to cross the Jordan bat- uh, River. They're going to go into battle. They're going to see walls come tumbling down. Uh, the accountants in their risk assessment calculated 60 years. It took them seven years. The people took God at his word, and they enjoyed the blessings that he promised them, even though that just didn't seem possible. And that's what Paul's telling us again in Ephesians 3. He says there's no limit to how wide and how long and how high and deep is God's love. And we sometimes think, well, I don't really get that. But then what he says, he says we have a spirit of power to grasp that. God's Spirit helps us understand that. And then to understand that God can do immeasurably more than we can ever imagine. Now, uh, Sarah just now, or, or, or his uh, uncle Caleb or Joshua, they didn't need to imagine their challenges. They didn't need to imagine what God needed to do, because they could see it. They could see the fortresses. They could see the giants. And for us, it's a little bit difficult sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes we actually have to say, well, what are our giants? Sometimes we might just need to list them down and say, what are we battling against? Things perhaps in our personal life that defeat us. And I don't know what they are for you. Perhaps I sometimes don't even know what they are for me. Sometimes it needs a little bit of reflection, doesn't it? Uh, it, it may just doubt. It may be temptation. There may be hostility at school, uh, loneliness, uh, money worries, anxiety, being anxious about being anxious. What's going on in the world? We've just been praying about it. What's going on in the Ukraine? There's all sorts of stuff that threaten to overwhelm us, don't they? And we kind of wonder where God is in it, in all this. And and we're tempted after a while to think, really, this Christian stuff just doesn't work. And actually, it's more fun not being a Christian. It's more fun not living God's way. And, And we will all do that, you know. We all will mess up. Uh, And some of us mess up all the time, and some of us mess up really badly. Uh, and we're, I'm not sure we'll ever get onto it in this series, but if you look further on, Sarah and his family really mess it up. They just go native effectively. They, they, they take on board all the Canaanite values. And it takes the first of the judges, Sarah's brother, Othniel, to sort that 
one out for them. God is faithful to his promise. In the end, it held, God, held good. God was with them, even when things were going really badly wrong. And notice too that uh, the promise is that God will be with us, whatever happens. Not that nothing nasty is going to happen. You know, a lot of those folk who crossed the Jordan were killed. They were killed in battle. And there is a cost to being a Christian. I don't know whether you saw uh, the, uh, uh, we saw this at Spring Harvest. Um, uh, Maria, the Iraqi Christian girl with a TikTok video, you seen this? And she was uh, uh, the um, uh, daughter of a Muslim cleric. Uh, and she's posted a video, you can see it on TikTok, just singing praise to the Lord Jesus because she'd become a Christian. I mean, what an incredibly brave and dangerous thing to do. Uh, and 48 hours after she posted that, her brother shot her dead. That's living in the spirit and courage, isn't it? Crossing the Jordan and saying, it's worth it. Because God is with me, whatever happens. So the question goes back for us, isn't it? How are we doing? Are we ready to cross the Jordan? Are we, do we want to live our lives out knowing the love of power of God in our lives? Or is it too scary? Because every day we have the same choice, don't we? We have the same choice as those people of Israel did at Kadesh Barnea. We can look ahead and we can just see the problems and the challenges and the scary bit and we can turn away. And God may let us just do that. And we wander off into the desert. We're still saved. We're still a follower of the Lord. But we're just living in a desert, in a wilderness. And we can do that. We can play safe. Don't need to tell anybody at school we're a Christian. We don't need to mention anything to our neighbors about church or, or, or loving Lord Jesus or Alpha or anything like that. Don't tell anybody where we are on the Sundays. But if we do that, it's a very dry life, isn't it? It's a desert life. It's one where we'll never enjoy the blessings that we're intended to enjoy. I was given, uh, when I retired a couple of years ago, I was given a, a bottle of wine uh, with the date I joined the firm on, 1995. So it was like a 30-year-old bottle of wine. I didn't know what to do with it. I thought it was a bit posh. Kept it on the shelf for ages. I don't know what to do. And I thought, Indian, this is ridiculous. I've got to drink it. That's what it's for. We've got to take the cork out, haven't we? And savour what God has offered us. It wasn't that special, actually, but never mind. <laughs> not, not like living if we uncork the spirit. You know, we, sometimes we don't ask because we don't receive, don't we? We never get to see how deep and wide God's love is. We can be like the Thessalonians and we can just quench the Holy Spirit. Or we can risk it. We can cross over to the other side of the Jordan. We can go for it. And when we do, all those blessings are on offer for us. You know, Sariah was listing those blessings and some of them were just were at a physical level, weren't they? You could say, yeah, 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 there's, there's, there's community uh, and there's sharing and there's, and there's food and drink and, and resources uh, which should be the case amongst us as people say, see how these Christians love each other. But there's also the spiritual blessings that are on offer for us, aren't they? The streams of living water 
There's the fruit and the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, There's the comfort and the depth and breadth of the Lord's love. And it's a sort of virtuous circle, isn't it? The more I trust in the Lord, the more I go for it, the more I see him working. And the less I do, the less I see him working. And the desert starts calling us back. We can settle for the wilderness much too easily, can't we? It's a safe place to be. It's boring, but it's not where we're called to be. We're called to that fuller life, to cross the Jordan and live in the land of his blessing. And uh, that might require a few changes. We might need to, we might need to just uh, sit down and reflect on our lifestyles. I, uh, I did a little checklist the other day. It was in a book I was looking at, um, a, sort of, a sort of grid of things you might want to repent of. And I thought, I won't bother with that page. I was repenting all the time. Then I went back to it. Oh, gosh, that was a bit embarrassing when I really took it seriously. We might need to repent. We might need to change lifestyle. Certainly, we're going to have to put on the whole armor of God and risk conflict. But God says, if we do that, if we live for him, he will give us wherever we put our foot and he will never leave us or forsake us. So like Sariah, come on, let's cross the Jordan.